Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. You guys glad to be here? Just one of us. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, if you're watching online with us, thanks so much for joining us online. We're grateful to have you guys as well, and you can use our website for that digital connection card for all of the things that Maddie talked about in person. Hey, guys, it's an honor to wrap up the series today. We've been in this series called Winning the War in Your Mind, and it has been awesome and mind-blowing and challenging in all of the right ways. And so if you haven't had a chance, uh, you can go back to our YouTube channel. You can go back to our podcast and pick up uh, the last couple of weeks. It's been a four-week series. Uh, On the front end, we had Dr. Tamara Powell out from uh, CU Denver, and she really spoke to this intersection of mental health, emotional health, and faith. And so we've been been having that continual conversation, and today we're going to kind of land the plane, if you will, as we talk about... Um, just the nonstop drive of our minds and and really just making that stop. And so a couple of, let me just highlight a few things for you um, as as we get into it. A couple of big ideas. I'll put it up here on the screen. The first one is this. You got it, Raph? Give it to me. Thank you. Most of life's battles are won and lost in the mind. That's been kind of the premise of the series. Most of life's battles are are won and lost in the mind. And, And here was the kind of the secondary point is that it's almost impossible to have a positive life with a negative mind. You want to throw that up there, Raph? It's almost impossible to have a positive life with a negative mind. And you and I get stuck in these patterns. We get stuck in this thinking. And and depending on your personality type and depending on how how you handle things, this comes out and expresses itself in different ways. But you and I get stuck in negative thought patterns. and, And anybody else get like irrational thoughts at times? Just like your mind goes places where you're like, how did I even get here? It's like it's, we have these like runaway fears. You know what I'm talking about? Like let's just say you're a student right now at CU and the semester's almost over. You're getting ready to take your finals and you're stressed out and you're worrying because you don't want to get a bad grade. And this is where your mind naturally takes you, right? I, I don't want to get a bad grade because if I get a bad grade, then I'm not going to graduate. And if I don't graduate, then I'm, I'm not going to get the right job. And if I don't get the right job, then you know what? I might end up marrying the, the, the wrong person. And if I marry the wrong person, that means I'm going to end up having the wrong kids. And if I have the wrong kids, that means they're going to have to have braces, and braces are expensive, and so then we're not going to be able to afford to send them to college, and so then they're going to just adopt a life of crime and end up in jail, all because I messed up on this test, right? That's totally extreme, but it's not far off from some of the places that our mind goes, right? And so we have these runaway thoughts, and I realize that's extreme, but right, we can hear news, and all of a sudden our minds go to like the worst case scenarios and the most irrational places, or we have, you know, bills that we're facing, and then it runs its course months down the road. We have conflict in our marriage, and we start making conclusions that are, are not helpful and not life-giving. We have decisions about the future that start to cripple us. We have this, I'll just be transparent with you today, like, like for me personally, I've been wrestling today specifically with where my mind runs. Um, I, I really struggle with uh, um, the fear of failure, the, the fear of failure, um, and, and it, it's in like every category, and, and I really was sitting in this, and I'm going to ask you to do the same work with me. Of, of, for me, I'm like, man, what, what if I mess up as a dad, right? And all of a sudden, my, my mind starts to race. Well, if I, if I don't get my anger under control, then my kids are going to grow up to 
be scared of me and resent Jesus and resent the church and walk away from faith. And I can run that course as long as I want. Or, man, what if I'm not a good husband? And I can, I can think about failing as a husband. Or, man, what if I'm not a good pastor? I can think about failing as a pastor. I can think about, man, what if City Church, you know, uh, doesn't make it for the long run when it comes to planting a church in Boulder? Like, right, I can, I can run those things all the way into the ground to where it's just crippling. And I, I don't know about you, but, man, I, our, our minds start to race. And, and here's the reality is, is that there's still very real, like, fears and anxieties, right? Like, like, we can't just, like, dismiss them today and be like, hey, just get over it. That's the easy, unhealthy way of dealing with what's going on in our minds. And so let me read a passage for you from Philippians chapter 4. We picked this up, picked this up last week. It'll be on the screen. This is Paul, um, who is an incredible follower of Jesus. He started out uh, persecuting the church, killing Christians, doing everything he could to stop the Jesus movement. He meets Jesus. He becomes a Christian. He falls in love with Jesus and his church and becomes one of the forefront runners of this incredible move of God that we see and get to experience today. He ends up writing over a, a third of, of the New Testament that we have today. And in Philippians, he's actually writing a letter from a, Rose, a Roman prison. He is chained to a guard, and he's potentially, I mean, he has no idea if he's going to make it out of this with his life. He's in circumstances he never planned on being in. Everything around him is dissolving and disintegrating. This is not the plan at all. And last week, we, we, we dove a little bit into this about his perspective of reframing the situation. Not that the facts are changing, but he chose to change the filter, right? This week, I want you to see what he says as he's um, still in prison. Nothing has changed in his circumstances, but here's what he, he writes in Philippians 4. He says, don't worry about anything. You guys can't see this. This will make sense in a minute. I'll pick it up for you. Okay, these are our worries, okay? Don't worry about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, Paul says, pray about everything. What do you think it takes to write something like this in the middle of, of a space that you might not walk out with your life? Tell God what you need, Paul says, and thank him for all that he's done. And then... You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace, we just sang the song, right? His peace will guard your hearts and what? And your minds. You see it? As you live in Jesus. Here's the deal. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And I asked you this question a few, a few weeks ago. Do you like the direction that your thoughts are taking you? Paul, Paul's encouraging us to get a hold of our mind. And here's the, here's the good news and the bad news. If our minds are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, then that's really good news. If our thoughts are good, right? And it's really bad news if our thoughts are bad and negative. So, so, so what do we know about the mind? Let me show you a picture here. This is a picture of your brain. It's clearly an exact replica. And there's a couple of different pieces I want to talk to you about today. First, I want to talk to you about the amygdala. Again, we've been talking about like the intersection of like neuroscience and faith, okay? And so there's this little almond-shaped part of your brain called the amygdala, okay? And uh, the, the amygdala is like your survival, like fight-or-flight part of your brain that like pumps you strong doses of adrenaline in, in a moment when, like, you need to be fearful or afraid, right? And, and, and so, like, this is that be aware and be alert and, right, someone cuts you off in traffic or you see a bunch of red lights, and right? It's that immediate response, that knee jerk. Things are happening more than you, you can even think about it. The amygdala is the guy that's saying, ah, you know? So some of you, like, your amygdala really fires up when you get around snakes, right? 
You're like, like totally irrational fear of snakes. You ever been there? Right? Or, or, or some of you, it's clowns, right? Some of you, you get around clowns and you just like, they make the less like, I saw the movie It when I was four and it's not okay. Some of you, it's snake clowns. <laughs> you're like, you're like, well, it wasn't, but now it is, right? Like, that's a problem. Okay. Right? We have these, like, uh, um, different uh, uh, responses, spiders, and we have these little things that we, our amygdala starts firing off, be afraid. And here, here's the problem with the amygdala. It's, it's a cool gift from God, lets us be aware. Um, but the problem is, is it, the amygdala is not objective. The amygdala is easily triggered. And, and so it, it's hardwired to protect. So, like, you're, you're really... Deep down core fight or flight instincts come from this spot in your brain. And then we have this thing called the prefrontal cortex, right? Your prefrontal lobe and your prefrontal cortex, this is like the all logic part, part of your brain. So where are my fives at on the Enneagram in the room, right? Like all logic, no amygdala, right? Like forget, we don't even need the amygdala. Here's the deal. Amygdala is like, like all panic all the time, okay, just constantly hardwired to be all panic all the time. Your prefrontal cortex is all logic all the time. And so um, we have this tension, right, in our minds, and you probably feel this, where you're battling what you know is true and what you're feeling. You ever been here? What you, what you know is true and what you're feeling, and it's a fight, right, easily triggered. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, I went on a motorcycle trip to Steamboat Springs over the weekend, and uh, have never driven this far before, and we're really pumped, and it's beautiful, and really excited about it. Uh, but we kind of got out late on Friday, and so we knew how long the trip was, and we really didn't want to drive in the dark. And so we're, like, doing everything we can in a safe manner to get to Steamboat before the sun sets. And it's a beautiful drive, and some of it's crazy. At one point, like, like there's this balance in my mind. I got a prefrontal. I'm, I'm like, yeah, we got logic, and we're going to get there, and it's going to be great. But my amygdala in the background is like, this is not good, my friend. <laughs> we start, I, I get up in this mountain. And my gas light comes on, and I'm nowhere close to the next town. And I'm like, this is not good. My amygdala is like, Whoa! right? And I don't say anything to anybody else, right? Just, please, God, <laughs> let it. And then we get on the other side of the mountain, and I coast all the way down in neutral. <laughs> Just every drop of gas counts. Come on, come on, we can do it. And, and, and we get there, and, and we're camping in a place we've never been. We're going to camp in hammocks, okay? And so we, we get there. It's basically dark, and so we're like, well, it doesn't really matter. We're going to be camp. We're going to have to find this place in the dark. And so we go grab dinner, and then we hop on our motorcycles, and it's me, Seth, and Daniel, like come over, a couple of our staff guys, and then we take the Google Maps route up the mountain to this place that we've never been camping, right? And it's like one of those, you know, Destination is here, randomly in the middle of a mountain. And so we get on this dirt road on street bikes that no one told us it was a dirt road. And we start going up this mountain in the dark on gravel. And then guess what? Someone conveniently just paved the gravel road again. So there's a lot of loose gravel. And so we're slipping around on this mountain, going up in the dark, no idea where we are, following the route. We get to the top of the mountain. There's a bunch of teenagers burning stuff legally over here. And we, they clearly aren't supposed to be there. And then we get to where we're supposed to go and the roads are closed. I'm like, oh, it's snowed in. Like no, no one wanted to mention that online, that we have seasonal snow closures in our camping spot. And so then we go to another path. It's snowed in. And there's a car parked there. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to find some trees. We're going to put up our hammocks. And we're going to camp out. It's going to be great. And my amygdala in the background is like, Woo! my prefrontal is like, hold it together. Right? And we get there. And then this car is parked there. And I'm like, maybe they're camping. Maybe we're clear. And they like open their door a little bit. It's kind of creepy. It's in the dark still. Right? We roll up. My motorcycle is like super loud. And you know, blah, 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 blah. Right, we're there, and I'm there, and I'm like, hey. And they poke their head out of their car, and they're like, hey, the road's closed. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, like, hey, you guys can camp with us if you want, like, like in this area. You know, uh, we're going to head out in the morning. And I'm like, 
oh, okay, cool, we might do that. But like, hey, actually, we just saw three bears, though, like walk by right before you got here. And I'm like, my, my, my amygdala is like, we out. <laughs> no way, right? And finally, amygdala got a hold of me, and so then we went and rented a hotel room. <laughs> super, super awesome, hour and a half driving around in the dark, and then our camping trip just turned into a nice little residence in stay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Where was I going with that story? I just had to get it off my chest. Uh, it was supposed to be a really manly trip, and it, we tried really hard to be men, okay? Um, here's the interesting and challenging thing about the amygdala and, and, and this prefrontal cortex balance, right, um, is that the, the amygdala responds to pre-programming. Okay, so I don't know about sleeping in a hammock next to bears. That's just not my jam, okay? I've heard, you know, I know bears are out there, but when they're right there, that's different. So amygdala wins out probably on the right side. But, but sometimes our amygdala gets into this pre-programming. So if you've experienced a hurt, if you've gone through some trauma, if, you, if you've had some past fear, if there's been a misunderstanding in a relationship, right, your, your amygdala is pre-wired, again, all panic, no logic, pre-wired to respond to get you to go in a direction and start thinking things. So, so there's probably things in your mind. Let's think about it. You know this. There are people and places and events that, that trigger you, that bring anxiety and fear and tension. And it's not necessarily logical, right? Can we just be real, right? We had a shooting a couple of weeks ago. How, how many of you go to the grocery store and, and at least for a couple of weeks there was this weird thing going on, right, in your mind? Is it totally illogical? Not, not necessarily, right? Not necessarily. But also well, there's probably this fight in your prefrontal cortex, right, of like, I don't have to freak out at every grocery store because of recent events, but my amygdala is freaking out, right? And, and this is where our brain runs all the time, right? We have these, these pre-wired runaway thoughts. And I don't know what it is for you, right? I don't know if it's, it has to do with money and relationships. Maybe it has to do with faith. Maybe it has to do with the church. Maybe it has to do with, uh, um, you know, authority figures. Uh, maybe it has to do with your job. Maybe it has to do with the boss, right? We have all these things uh, um, that our minds go to. Let me, let me read it for you again. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, don't worry or be anxious. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Or you see the reframing he's encouraging us with. Then you're going to experience God's peace. It's a peace that, that, that we don't have access to anywhere else. It's a peace that the world can't give. It's a peace that the world can't take away which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace is going to guard your hearts and minds. Right? Don't you need some guarding over your hearts and minds? It's going to guard your heart and hearts and minds as you live in Jesus. So, so what is he saying? Don't be anxious about the test coming up, about the house that you're trying to find, about like, how it's going raising your kids, about your health, about, about your, your workspace and how stressful it is and how frustrating it is to work with those people, about the relationships that you either have or don't have and your singleness or your relationship or married or not married or kids or not kids. Right? Don't be anxious. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the bills that are unpaid. You're like, well, this is very unlogical <laughs> to not worry about these very tangible things. I need you to hear me. Listen, if it's on your mind, here's what Paul's telling us. If it's on your mind... It's on God's heart. It's not just praying and wishful thinking, okay? This is amazing. Listen, prayer is powerful. I realize, like, listen, you might be on a spiritual journey. You might be on the outside looking in. You might have, like, been following Jesus for a minute. Maybe uh, you're wrestling with faith and what you believe and why you believe in and, and what you're going to do with it. I, I realize we have lots of different spaces as we come in on our spiritual journey. But I, I need to just invite you into the understanding of prayer here. 
that that prayer moves the heart of God. It's powerful. It works. It's not our last resort. We say it all the time. It's our first response. Right? Can you imagine? Right? We, we go, oh, all we can do is pray now. We, right? we get in those spaces where things are hard and life is anxious and we're worrying. We've done everything. We can. All we can do is pray now. And we kind of say it like it's a last-ditch effort. Can you imagine like, like God's on the other side of, of that conversation? All you can do is pray? Right? I can imagine God, like, when you start praying, oh, no, I didn't think he was going to get to me. I thought he was going to handle it before it got here. Like, i got to hurry and see if I can work something out for them. Right? God's like, man, all you can do is pray. All that I am is all that you need. Right? This is an incredible invitation that prayer is powerful. But don't miss this. This is amazing. Prayer not only moves the heart of God, but also prayer changes the chemistry in your brain. This is crazy, guys. Listen, for decades, neurologists have believed that your brain didn't change from, from growing out of your adolescence. So like, like from, from adolescence, right? once you get out of adolescence, your brain doesn't change anymore. Thank God that's not the case, right? <laughs> like, dude, if my teenage brain was still in charge, we'd be in trouble, right? And so we, we figured out, like, that's not the case. But actually, neurologists have figured out that your brain is constantly changing, constantly rewiring. The first week we talked about rewiring your brain, new neurological paths, right? We talked about this conversation of neuroplasticity. That's what this is called. It's literally that your brain is constantly molding and changing and rewiring. So there's another concept called neurotheology or this spiritual neuroscience. This is amazing, guys. This is like you can Google it, okay, just on your own, okay? I'm not the smartest person in the room. I just got here first, for the record, okay? Um, but here's what's happening right now. We're, we're seeing studies come together of this relationship between the brain and belief in God. And re- research is actually showing that literally your prayer changes the brain. Let me show you this quote from, um, this is Carolyn Leaf, her book, Switch on Your Brain. She said that it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused Prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Isn't this amazing? Wait, 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 wait. I thought prayer was just something we did because, you know, uh, um, we ran out of logical options, right? No, this is, this is an amazing combination that prayer actually changes our brain. Why does this matter? Because when it comes to our worry, when it comes to the amygdala just having total control over our minds, when it comes to running worry into the ground, toxic and negative thoughts, they harm our brain. But here's what we're seeing is that prayer can heal and transform our brains. Right? Paul says in Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So why do we worry? How do we get stuck here? This is a concept called amygdala hijacking. Amygdala hijacking. It's, it's exactly what you think it is, right? It's when the amygdala gets a hold, both hands on the steering wheel, and it's all panic all the time. It's you're in trouble, take control, fight or flight. For some of you, it's work harder, grind, get hands on the wheel, don't let anything happen, bad stuff's going to happen, control everything. And others of you, it's shut down completely, go hide, tuck away, don't see anybody, don't talk to anybody, protect yourself, right? We have fight or flight tendencies and whatever it is, but the amygdala starts to hijack our minds, and it just starts to run away to places that, that you and I know, man, prefrontal cortex is fighting, saying, is that really where we need to go? Paul calls it our sinful nature. Why do we worry? 
He, he calls it our sinful nature. And I, I realize, like, maybe if you're outside the church or, like, you've heard the word, like, this might be a really offensive word for you. You're like, I'm out, man, S- sinful nature. Like, what, listen, let me help you define sin because I don't know what your experience is, what you've, like, been around when it comes to uh, definitions. But the word sin literally means to miss the mark. So for Paul, he's going to help us understand, like, you and I, we, we were created to trust God, to walk with God, to love God because he loves us, to have a relationship with God that breathes life into us and is constantly moving us in the direction of God's glory, our greatest good, and the good of others, right? We were created for this relationship with God. And, and sin, listen, sin is literally missing the mark, and worry is literally missing the mark when it comes to trusting God. What does worry do? Worry is saying, God, I don't think you care. God, I don't, I don't think you're good. I don't, I don't think you're big enough. I don't think your promises are true. I don't think your power is real. We might not be saying that with our mouths, but every time we worry, every time we try to handle it ourselves, we are missing the mark in trusting God. And here's how Paul articulates it in Romans 8. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. Again, rewire the conversation. If this is hard for you to swallow, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things or or, or they're consistently missing the mark. You see it? Do you consistently miss the mark in your thinking? Don't you just wish you could turn it off sometimes? Don't you wish that your brain wouldn't go there? Don't you hate it when you start drawing conclusions? Don't you hate it when you get into an argument because you're fighting against something that you don't even know if it's true and there's something going on inside of you and you don't even know why it's coming out of you? Right? We can pretend like we got it all together, but the reality is none of us have it all together. So if we can just be a little humble and sit in this, okay, you know what? We're missing the mark in our minds. But listen to this. Paul says, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, he doesn't just make us better. He makes us new. He takes, the old, he, he takes the old things and the dead things, and he makes us new. He gives us the spirit of God. It's the power of God living inside of us. Jesus said, we're going to make our home in your heart. The Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. He says that those who are controlled by the spirit think, you get it? Think about the things that please the spirit. You know what's pleasing to God? Loving God and people. Right? Don't, don't go down this religious rabbit trail of like do's and don'ts that you think you need to follow. Jesus made it really clear. It's loving God and people. It's trusting God and loving people. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind, that amygdala hijacking, it leads to death, doesn't it? But letting the Spirit control your mind, it leads to life and peace. Life and peace. Listen, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but I imagine that when we start to talk about life and peace, there's something inside of you that leans in a little bit. I, l- I love that Jesus talks about faith as in trusting in God. It's like this little bit of, he talks about it like a mustard seed. It's just, it's just barely leaning in. God, I, I don't even, I think you can. I'm hopeful that you can. You probably can. It's just like a little bit leaning forward. Here, here's what Paul's saying, and here's what we're seeing in this text. I'm going to choose to let the Holy Spirit direct my thinking, right? That, 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 this is a choice. This is not like a feeling conversation. I'm going to let the logical side of my brain, I'm going, to, I'm going to let the prefrontal cortex choose to think about that which is spiritual rather than to fro- focus on what, what is running my mind. Here's the idea. Instead of letting the amygdala have two hands on the steering wheel, I'm going to tell my prefrontal cortex to take the amygdala by the ear 
and say we're not going to live in panic and in fear. We're going to choose faith. We're going to choose to be spiritual. We're going to take logic and combine it with who we know God is and what he's done with, for us through Jesus, and we're going to change the way that we think. This is not about feelings. This is about allowing me to combine my prefrontal cortex with truth and experience. So what is it for you? Because I don't want to let my brokenness continue to miss the mark and just make me run down these trails that destroy my relationships, destroy my peace, destroy my relationship with God. Hey, Daniel, why don't you come up? As Daniel comes up, I'm going to give you an example, okay? I had, uh, uh, um, every week, by the way, we have a prayer meeting at at 945. So every week, a team gathers, those that are serving, we meet here, we pray together. It's an amazing time. Uh, You're invited, by the way, it's not a secret club. And and today, I had our team just get together, and and they, they wrote all of their fears, their worries, their anxieties on pieces of paper. And I said, hey, I want you to just write all, everything that's stressing you out right now, and I want you to just toss it in the, the worry bucket here, right? And, and here's, here's the deal, right? We have um, this challenge. What Paul is telling us is take your worries and give it to God, right? That, that, this is the choice. God, I'm worried about this, and through prayer, I'm going to give it to you. You see this? Here's the challenge, A lot of us, we really get stuck here because we're going to God with a huge set of worries, and our idea of God is is this guy that probably wants to help, not sure if he can, but he's he's just this, you know, hopefully. And and, and prayer is, God, I'm going to take that. So what is it for you? Would you take a moment right now? Think about it. What is it that you're stressing you out? I'll be honest with you guys. I'm stressed about being a dad. I don't want to jack my kids up because I'm jacked up. <laughs> I'm like, man, if they're any like me, we're in trouble. I don't want to, I don't want to fail this church. I don't have control over where it's going. I don't want to, I don't want to mess up as a husband. I want my wife to know that she's loved and cared for. There's a lot of things that I'm worried about. And here's the, here's the reality, right? It's a challenge. This is easy for me to push paper in a bucket. <laughs> That's way harder to let go, isn't it? Could I challenge you with something that maybe part of the shift that needs to happen in your mind is, is you need to resize your worries, right? That, that you would put worry in the right spot and you wouldn't spend all your time telling God how big your troubles are and your worries are and your anxieties are, but you spend a little more time telling your worries how big your God is. You see me? Then it's a little easier to go to God and say, I am stressed about this, and I'm worried about this, but listen, it doesn't stop there, because it's not just an invitation to pray with wishful thinking and hoping that it works out, but actually, Jesus invites us not not just to try harder, but Jesus came to actually forgive and set free the very brokenness that you and I get stuck in. This missing the mark problem that we have, he didn't come to make it better, he came to make us new. And so it's not just an invitation to give God our worries, but rather it's an invitation to give God our lives. That's the invitation, that when I give God my life, it begins to change a little bit of everything. For some of you, man, you, you get stuck in this because you're like, man, that, that, that seems irresponsible, Drake. It's not very logical. Like, like you're just going to pray about everything. No, listen, listen, there's a process here. Can I give it to you as we close our time? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to do what 
we can do. Okay, listen, you, you don't go to God and say, man, help me pass this test today and not study. Just, just I'm going to sleep on this book and osmosis is just going to push it into my brain. I'm going to pass this test. You're going to do what you can do. You're not just going to pray for healing. You're going to go to the doctor because God gave us doctors and smart people who can help you. You're not just going to pray for finances to get better. You're going to start a budget. You're going to get some help. You're not just going to pray for loneliness to go away. You're going to get in a city group. You're going to do what you can do. We don't just abandon all to God like, like we're just going to sit here and receive something as if we have nothing to do with it. We're going to do what we can do. So what is it right now that's stressing you out, got you anxious, got you worried? You know what? I'm going to pray for God to help me be a good dad. But you know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to get some accountability in my life and say, help me with my anger. And I'm going to journal about it. I'm going to memorize scripture to rewire my brain. I'm, I'm going to choose a default response that's not anger in the moment. I'm going to do what I can do when it comes to leading and pastoring this church. I'm going to love and I'm going to serve and I'm going to give and I'm going to let God's truth over my mind dictate how I lead. I'm going to do what I can do. But then I'm going to give God what I can't. This is the invitation of prayer. I'm going to study. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to start a budget. I'm going to ask for some accountability. But God, the reality is, even with a good budget, my bills aren't getting paid. And this health bill is not going away. And this chemistry exam is way past my IQ. <laughs> Help. Help. This is amazing. Because when you and I get to this place, right, this is the invitation that Jesus gives us to cast our cares Right, to cast our cares on the one who cares for you. And the last thing we're going to do, we're going to choose to trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. Listen, not because of what things look like on the outside. I'm not going to interpret my understanding of God based on my circumstances. I'm going to interpret my circumstances based on who I know God is. The best picture that you and I have, the best understanding that we have of who God is, is the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus that God sent his son in human flesh to live as you and I live, but without sin, but without brokenness, and that he would live his life and then be wrongfully crucified in our place for our sins. He would die in my place, not because he had to, but because he loved me. And because he loved you, he would be buried and rise again, the most tangible experience expression of the love of God on the planet is what Jesus did for you and me. It's not religion. It's not do's and don'ts. It's a relationship that I run to. And I'm going to trust God no matter what because I know who he is, even when I don't see or feel him working around me. He's still good. If he did nothing else for me for the rest of my life, Jesus was still more than I deserved. It's an invitation to reframe our minds. So here's what we're going to pray. Will you pray it with me? Just open your hands on your lap for me. Maybe close your minds. Close your minds. Close your eyes. Open your minds. <laughs> close your eyes with me. Maybe flip up those hands just as, a, just as a posture of surrender, okay? It's not a super spiritual moment. This is just a moment to reflect, okay? 
maybe right now, here's, I'm just going to give you a prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your mind. It doesn't matter. It's going to go something like this. God, give me the wisdom to do what I can. God, give me the wisdom to do what I can do. Guys, honestly, some of you, you're in a space where there's some practical things, there's some accountability, there's some help that you need that's right in front of you. If you're stuck and you're imagining, you know what, there's probably something I can do, but I genuinely don't know what it is. Listen, that's what we're here for. We don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect people. Man, man, we are committed to one another and we're committed to you. So maybe in this space, God, help me to do what I can do. And maybe that's, that's asking for help. Maybe that's what it is for you. Do what I can do. Second thing we're gonna pray, God, help me to trust you with what I can't. Would you symbolically join me right now just, just in writing something on a piece of paper in your mind and tossing it in this bucket? Help me to trust you with what I can. And God, help me to trust you no matter what. Even if you don't do what I think you should do, even if it doesn't work out like I think it should work out, help me to trust you no matter what. And just in this posture of humility and response right now, maybe there's some things that you're surrendering to God. I realize that some of you are in here and you're wrestling with faith. And maybe the anxiety and the big question marks on your mind are, man, can can I trust God? Where do I stand with God? If God is there, what does it take to, have, take to have a relationship with him? Maybe you're wrestling with some ideas in your mind that you've been presented with from, from experiences in the past of like, am I good enough? And can I just encourage you, man, with your eyes closed, just sitting in a posture of humility? No. No, you're, you're not good enough. And that is the incredible and amazing invitation from Jesus is you and I are not good enough, but he is so good that he came in love to save us and set us free. That maybe today for the first time you wouldn't respond to Jesus out of religious obligation or guilt and shame, but rather for the first time you'd understand that God loves you, he wants a relationship with you, and by trusting in Jesus, it's the first step of putting your life in him. That he wouldn't just make you better, He'd make you completely new. Maybe for the first time today, right now, you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me and rose again so I could be made new. And I want to start a relationship with you. And if that's you, can I just let you know that heaven is celebrating and so are we. And if you're making that decision today, we'd love to celebrate with you, not only by following up and having dialogue and conversations about that choice, but also uh, maybe you'd like to take a next step and celebrate externally through baptism what God has already done internally in your life today. So God, we give you this time. As we prepare to uh, sing, God, let these songs be our prayers. Let it be moments of us surrendering what's going on in our hearts and minds that we'd find help in you. Give us wisdom to do what we can do. Help us to trust you where we can't. Do it on our own. And God, help us to trust you no matter what because of who you are and the love that you've shown through Jesus. Let your name we pray. Amen.